Hey, hello, what is up, guys? Thank you for tuning in. I learned a lot from this episode, and one of the things that stuck out to me was how by giving simple choices to a friend who shares that they had been raped, like how much you can help them. Please don't forget to give us a review or a rating. That really helps me a lot to produce more content, to just kind of see what I have to do better. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello everyone, welcome to our second video to our video series today. Um, we're going to talk about if your friend tells you that they had been raped, what to say, what not to say, and how to react. I have my friend with me, Betsy, and for the one person who doesn't know who you are, do you want to give a little introduction? Sure. So my name is Betsy Vinoy, and I have been working in the field of sexual violence prevention for about 10 years. So I started out as a volunteer at a local nonprofit here in central Pennsylvania. And then I moved up to the state nonprofit, which is called the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape. And that is a statewide um, coalition that works on preventing sexual violence. And um, then after that, I moved into doing sexual violence prevention work here at Penn State University. So I've stayed pretty much in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, but that's been my history of doing prevention work. So you've been in this field for about 10 years? 10 more years. than 10 years? Yes, a little more than 10 years, yeah. 10 years. yeah. So let's get right into the, into the questions. My first question is, when a friend tells me that they have been raped, as a friend, should I give advice? Yeah, probably not. So okay. one, of the, one of the key things to know about responding to someone who is making a very brave choice to confide in you that something happened to them is that when someone experiences something like sexual assault, the, the main impact that it has on them is that when, they're, when they experience that, they had a, a, a loss of control that kind of goes to a person's core, mm-hmm. right? So they feel this extreme loss of control, and what, what is helpful to them is to regain a feeling of control through small steps. So one of the things that I was taught and found really helpful is to give people choices. Would you like something mm-hmm. to drink, and what would you like to drink? And Often, okay. you'll give choices and they'll say, I don't know, but you help them make a choice and it helps them move along to have a little bit of control. When someone else comes in and is trying to help by giving advice, mm-hmm. it does not feel helpful to that person because what's helpful to them is being able to move at their own pace, make their own decisions, and have those decisions be supported. Okay. What would be like a choice kind of question you would ask? So let's say that the scene where this person is approaching you is in your apartment, right? Okay. Let's say that um, you've invited that person over or for some reason they're there studying or whatever the case may be. Okay. You're there, you're having a casual conversation and this comes up. Um, you're listening, they're saying, you know, something happened with this person. Um, I didn't mean for this to happen. They're, they're kind of testing the waters with you okay. and you get the sense that okay I should say things like okay you know I'm like well you know tell me more if you feel comfortable um, yeah like maybe that if you can feel it out maybe that is an appropriate time to say you know well, what happened um, and to let them know you'll support them so now you're sitting in your apartment they have 
told you what happened, they're probably upset as they tell you about it. Um, and the easiest thing to do is to say after after you've met the initial need of like having that conversation and making sure that they know where the resources are and all of that, you can say, you know, I'm going to get myself a drink. Do you want something to drink? I have, I have water. I have juice. I have soda. Right. And they'll say, oh, you know, sure. You know, maybe they'll make a choice. And if they don't make a choice, if they're saying something like, I don't care, just, you know, bring me whatever. You can say, no, really, like, I don't actually know what you'd like. So if you could okay. just pick one, then that small little choice, it, it kind of brings them back into the world of remembering that they do have choices and okay. puts a dent in that feeling of powerlessness. So yes. even asking a simple question, like, like even giving them a simple choice, a simple helps, choice. helps them to build. Yeah, because that, that when they experience the assault, whether or not it was violent, it kind of puts them in this place of powerlessness. It kind of just brings them back into this place of I don't have control and I don't have power. And that, that staying in that place feels kind of safe. It feels kind mm -hmm. of smart to stay there. And so a, a really harmless first step out is making a choice about a drink. And you would be amazed at how many people after going through, like I've sat through sexual assault um, examinations at the hospital, okay. and you'd be amazed at when I ask people what they want, how many of them say, I don't know. So that's how profound the wow. loss of control is. And so you help them by saying, no really, just close your eyes and pick one if you have to, right? But pick one, wow. so it helps them. When a friend tells me that they have been raped, um, do I ask them about the incident? Do I ask them like what what happened in the rape, or like probably, how it happened? Yeah, probably not. Okay. So if if someone is telling you that they've been sexually assaulted, or if they're, you know, indicating that in some way something went wrong, they're probably not going to come right out and say that they were raped unless it was um, really uh, dangerous or or really violent um, and obvious. What they might say is something more like something happened last night. So if you're working with something happened last night, then you're probably not going to say, well, tell me how this happened or why it happened. You're probably just going to ask questions like, oh, really? Well, what? You know, tell me a little bit more about that. People who are trying to share that something has happened, they can have a lot of difficulty with that. And what helps them actually reach out and get help mm -hmm. is if the other person is just interested in their well-being. So you might ask things like, are you okay? and how can I help you? And is there anything that I can do to help you? And if that person then feels like you're a safe person to confide in, mm -hmm. the story will naturally come out. Okay. But if you're kind of asking questions um, and prying, they, that might you know, just not feel good to them and not be, be helpful. Should I ask them about their feelings? On how they're feeling or um, like what, what, what would be kind of questions you would ask? So if someone mentioned to me that something had happened last night or last week, which has happened, I, I, many people have told me mm -hmm. their stories. Um, and when that happens, I try to make sure that I'm just very present with them in the moment, that I don't overreact with shock or upset or that kind of a thing. I think I would stick to simple questions like, how can I help you? And mm -hmm. what do you need? And do you know that there are resources that exist that can really provide um, some help in the situation that are more helpful than you would imagine that they are. Should I encourage them to go see a 
mental health counselor? I have. I have encouraged people to do that. Um, but again, it, it's it's um, it's something to be measured carefully, right? Mm -hmm. So if your person is just, if your friend is just sitting at your kitchen table telling you what just happened, and you made space for them, and you listened, and you asked how you can help, and you said, you know, here are some options, and counseling is one of them, and they look at the options, and they're not ready to make a decision yet, mm -hmm. it would be inappropriate for you to say, or unhelpful, I suppose, okay. for you to say, hey, there's this counseling option right here, and I really think you should go do that, right? That's not what they need at the moment. What what people in the moment that they're sharing that this happened, when they're in that moment of sharing that this happened, what they tend to do is either they're not ready to take any action yet, so they mm -hmm. absorb it, and they might sleep on it for a night or two or even a week, and then after that they say, you know what, um, the Gender Equity Center sounds like a really good option. But they're probably not going to be ready to do much right then and there. They're still processing what happened to them, and taking action to go to any one of those resources makes this very real in their okay. lives. And so people, they need some time to process that something serious happened to them. So they're probably not gonna, they're, they're probably not gonna jump into one thing right away, but if they have a need, they will. So if, um, if they're sharing it with you because it's been a year, let's say, and the reason they're sharing it with you is because the symptoms of PTSD are just cropping up, that they are having invasive um, flashbacks about it, that their sleep is disturbed, that their school is failing, mm -hmm. they're having real problems in their life, that might be a good time to say, you know what I heard is helpful is if you go and talk to some of these counselors who understand what you're experiencing. Those words okay. are really helpful. Then that would be a good time to good recommend time. counseling. Okay. Yeah. If I see a friend um, going, like their their mental state is going down, mm -hmm. um, and they if they're choosing not to see a counselor or to seek any help, mm -hmm. um, what should I do in that moment? Or like in that moment, like what should I do, knowing mm -hmm. that they're not doing good? Yeah. Well, I think one thing that's important to understand about a person who experiences some kind of trauma is that especially with sexual violence when someone experiences sexual violence for a first time it's more likely than they are more likely to experience it a second time they're more likely to have recurrent experiences so mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if people could remember back you know could see through their college career a friend that they knew was sexually assaulted who then, probably to cope with the trauma, maybe started drinking more heavily, maybe even got into drugs a little bit more heavily, maybe even started having riskier sex, like, or maybe um, decided to have no sex, because one way to gain back control after being sexually assaulted is to always say yes to sex, and therefore no one can 
violate your no mm -hmm. because you're never saying no, right? And the other way that people, another way that people can respond is to avoid any opportunity where sex might happen, so they become completely asexual. And people, you know, run along that spectrum, right? Okay. But I could see if you had a friend that you knew was sexually assaulted, and you start noticing that they they're having riskier behavior. They're drinking more. They're going out more. They're having more risky casual sex. And you're also noticing that their, their focus on school is lapsing. Um, maybe you're noticing that the encounters that they're describing are not necessarily consensual um, and that this is spiraling downward, right? And you're concerned. So you could have a conversation with that person, mm -hmm. um, but in the work that I have done, what we have found is that crisis is an opportunity. So at some point that person, because they're in this spiral, at some point that person will find themselves in crisis um, okay. when they come looking for help, when maybe they share with you something that recently happened that really got them to rock bottom. And when people are in crisis, they're willing to do something new and they're willing to try something else and they're willing to get help. So crisis is really an opportunity. Um, it's, I think it's important to step in and to say that you're concerned to that person okay. without judgment, um, making sure that it's not that it's without judgment and saying like, you know, I know that this happened to you and um, I'm really, you know, just concerned as your friend and I just want the, what's best for you. And don't be surprised if they brush it off and say, I am fine, right? Because part of the healing process and part of getting help is again, recognizing that something really significant happened to you. And people really hesitate to do that. They would much rather say, this is college, it's not a big deal, this is what happened. Um, rather, than, rather than actually facing that something serious happened to them because it feels very scary. Should I encourage them to report it to the police? That's a really personal choice that's left up to the person that it happened to. Okay. So most of the time, people who experience sexual violence are very reluctant to share it with the police because the way that sexual violence happens on a college campus, it's usually between people that know each other on some level and people that share some level of social circles. Okay. And so if you're assuming a heterosexual assault that a, a male assaulted a woman, which is the most common kind of sexual assault that happens on college campuses, mm -hmm. then that woman has to make a choice about making a report about sexual violence to the police, which in essence, she would be, in her mind and probably in her social circle's mind and her friend and his friend's minds, calling him a rapist. Right. That can feel like a real leap um, for some people and can be something that people who just survive sexual violence don't want to get into just yet. But it's important to know that people can report an assault. You can, if you were assaulted and you go to the hospital and you have evidence collected, you don't need to file, decide about filing a report right then and there. You okay. can, if the evidence is collected, you can file a report later, but it's more important that the person makes that choice. Again, getting back to that control issue, um, another reason that people simply don't talk about being sexually assaulted is that they're afraid 
but their friends will do things they don't want them to do, like force them to go to the police, okay. which takes that control out of their hands further. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I think it's a, so the big team is to not tell them what to do. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, to like not tell them to go to the police or go yeah. to someone else. Or, that that yeah. also includes making sure they know their options. So okay. it's not it's not helpful to not tell them what to do, but not tell them what options they have available. So just just being a good friend and a person who's aware of the resources is a key component in the first place, right? Okay. It's important for everybody to know what resources are available so that when that time comes, you can say, oh, hey, I may not remember exactly every resource, but I know this person, and I can mm -hmm. ask that person what the resources are. So you can find out what your options are so you can make a choice, right? Because anytime a person who survives sexual violence is making a choice, they are helping themselves to gain back a sense of control. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, anything at all, or if you want to talk about anything, my Twitter username and my email is in, is in the description below. So please send me a message or an email and I'd be more than happy to get back to you. The link for the next episode is also in the d description and that one is about victim blaming. I hope you enjoy that and thank you for listening.